Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And where is the summer? I hear you cry with that weather forecast. A very good Monday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. John Paul is on a couple of days off. So the ever capable Bernie taking your calls this morning. Anything you want to share with us, uh, please call us 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp to 086 103103. And just to give you the heads up right across this week, we're celebrating Cork's first ever Sky Shop, which is opening this Wednesday on the ground floor at Mahan Point Shopping Centre and to celebrate this Friday one lucky listener will win the ultimate home cinema package. Now it's worth €2,000 it includes a projector a projector screen, a home cinema surround system and they're also throwing in €100 in Sky Store vouchers so you'll be able to check out all of the latest movies on Sky on your home cinema package this is a terrific prize and if you are a movie buff you'll really want this kind of package and this type of equipment in your home. How will we do it? Every day this week I'll play a clip of a show from the Sky Store with two possible answers. So I'll give you the two possible answers and then you'll need to text in the correct answer. You can text or WhatsApp. That'll be later on 0862103103. I will play you that clip a little bit later on. So stay tuned for that. But your chance to win and celebrate Cork's first ever Sky Shop opening this uh, Wednesday. And while let's start the show this morning with congratulations to the Cork Hurlers. What a match. It was a thrilling performance uh, yesterday and as many media commentators are saying a thrilling uh, performance with the demolition of Tipperary at uh, Semple Stadium it was a slow enough start the Rebels led by eight points at half time and there were two brilliant goals from Alan Connolly and Dara Fitzgibbon and then of course they really pushed on in the second half and a Tim O'Mahony uh, goal securing 330 to 124 win which I'm now told is their second biggest ever win over their great rivals. That's according to the front page of the Echo today. Of course, Connolly Ham, man of the match, eight points, including seven from play. And of course, Cork Hurlers now face the Joe McDonough Cup winners. 
Kerry or Antrim. That match is expected to be on June 11th or 12th. And if they win there, then they progress to the All-Ireland quarterfinals, which will see them take on the Leinster runners up of either Kilkenny or uh, Galway. And there's a great picture on the front page, lovely colour picture on the front page of the Irish Examiner today of Dara Fitzgibbon celebrating uh, one the goal he uh, scored in Thurles yesterday. It's just one of those, this, the joy in his face. It's really captured on that photograph. Um, that was taken. It, it, uh, it really is incredible. So congratulations and well done to the Cork Hurlers. Now, last week on the programme, we highlighted the high cost of car hire for both for tourists coming to this country, but also for people who are coming home to visit loved ones and to visit families. And many people are returning home on holidays, particularly people who are travelling from America or from Australia or New Zealand. Uh, and many are coming back for the first time and haven't been home uh, since 2019 because of the pandemic and haven't seen and hugged loved ones in the flesh for you know a good number of years. And they're really desperate to come home. And many of them have booked, have their flights booked already, looking forward to coming home. We've grandchildren, for example, coming home to see grandparents who've never seen them in the flesh. They, you know, they might have seen them on, on FaceTime or on Zoom, but, you know, to get a cuddle off granny or granddad is it's quite a special moment. So many of those arriving in this country need to hire a car. And of course, as we were discussing last week, they are in for such a shock when they decide to book a car. But I was making the point that the high cost of car hire is right across the world it's not just Ireland we know everything's going up in this country but car hire across the world has gone up and due to the pandemic well I read today in the Irish Examiner that visitors to Ireland face being stung for the highest car rental costs than in a number of other top European holiday destinations and obviously now it's prompting a real fear that the high cost of car hire could damage our tourism trade this year and our tourism trade we haven't really had any certainly from overseas for the last two years and people within the industry are desperate to try to recoup some of their losses and to just get their businesses back up to where they were uh, pre-2019 pre Now according to Noel Baker in the Irish Examiner he did his own bit of research and tried to book a car for a two week period and he went from June 12th to June 26. So it would have been kind of the start really of the holiday. Started the school, children being off school, even though not all of the primary schools would have broken up at that stage. So he's not, it's kind of the beginning of the height of the summer season, I suppose, June June 12th to 26. And he looked at eight airports across uh, Europe just to try to get a comparison. And the results showed Dublin was the most expensive not by a little bit, but by a considerable margin. Using He used the websites of four major international car rental firms and he was seeking the cheapest option for a five-passenger vehicle and he found that Dublin had less choice as one provider was already fully booked out when he went to look at it last uh, week. The, with Hertz, the cheapest five-seater option out of Dublin Airport was a Golf VW Golf working out at 211 euro per day. So the cost for the fortnight was just under 3,000 euro. The only cheaper option was a four person. Uh, VW Mini and that came in at just over €2,000 and then at the other end of the scale renting a Seat Arona car which will take five passengers from Thessalonica Airport in Greece that came in at €72 a day which was just over €1,000 so a similar car 
€3,000 if you're going to book it out of Dublin Airport. But if you're in Greece on your summer holidays, you'll get the same car, which will seat five people for just thousand uh, euro. And there was also a similar priced Renault Clio out of Faro Airport in uh, Portugal. And that came in at 62 63 euro a day and then Europa car afford focus with room for five uh, passengers that was 213 a day from Dublin airport versus 94 euro for a Fiat Panda out of Rome 74 euro for a Renault Clio in Faro and uh, in back to Greece Greece by far the cheapest just 48 euro per day all other city locations offered cheaper rentals than Dublin Airport, regardless of any of the providers that Noel Baker looked at, with Munich in Germany, the least expensive, with hires in and around the €50 euro mark per day. Now, Paddy Cummins of the AA is quoted as saying, there are logical reasons why the cost of renting a car would be more expensive here. He said it's primarily due to the overall size of the Irish car market and, of course, you add on to that the global microchip shortage which means new cars are not available for the car rental companies to buy. Industry's figures have speculated that the shortage of microchips could last into next year with the problem linked to the partial closure of the semiconductor industry and that closed down due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Now there's a Paul Redmond of the car rental council. He's quoted in the paper. He says the fleet for this year 2022 is about half of what it was in March of 2020, just at the start of the pandemic. So there's only 50% of the cars that would have been available back in March of 2020. There's only about 50% of those cars now available today with a sharp rise in demand coming at a time of lower vehicle supply. He says the situation is unlikely to change. So people holding off saying, or oh, sure, I'll wait, the price of the cars might come down closer to the trip. He's saying that's unlikely to happen. And he said it's un- there's unlikely to be any change in the Irish market in the short term unless supply increases. With He says much of the current demand is coming from VFRs. And I hear you say, VFRs? What's that? VFRs are visiting friends and relatives. So they're exactly that cohort of people that I was talking about last week. The people that are planning on coming home to bring children home to see grandparents for the first time, for people to come home to visit their mums and their dads who they haven't seen in almost uh, three years. And it's awful that it is catching that group of uh, people. Now, the car hire companies say that one option open to the government is to assist into the future, is to review the relief on vehicle registration tax. But that, again, is into the future. That's not going to solve the problem that we have at the moment. And also at the weekend, there was claims from Loop Head Tourism that some people are cancelling planned holidays in Ireland and that's due to the soaring car rental costs and loop head tourism are saying the whole island island of Ireland is going to lose out on business because of the cost of car uh, rental and Onamara is with 
uh, Walsh, he's with the Irish Tourism Industry Confederation. He said Ireland needs to stay competitive. It needs to stay value for money. There are key requirements, he said, of the tourism industry is to recover lost ground. And, you know, most people coming to this country know that we're not a cheap country. I mean, that's why I wasn't surprised to see Greece, for example, having very lower car rental cost to Ireland because people going to Greece know that they're not going to spend a lot of money. It isn't an expensive country to holiday in. So tourists coming to this country know that they pay, they will pay a little bit more than what they might pay on cheaper tourist destinations, but they're paying for what is unique about Ireland, what is special about Ireland and what is beautiful about Ireland. And Americans in particular know that when they're coming. But I think the car rental now is just pushing us over the top it's just it's really is going to just turn people off and it was at least six eight weeks ago I had an email in from somebody in West Cork who's involved with the tourism industry who was flagging this and saying they were already starting to hear rumblings from people who were about to book flights about to book accommodation people who were getting organised early in the year which a lot of people do and I think I think people who go long haul certainly will be booking early in the new year for a summer holiday it isn't a last minute decision and when they were starting to look into car rental at the beginning of the year for this summer she was making the point in her email uh, to me that we're going to lose business because people are just going to say we can't afford to pay the cost of flights which have already uh, gone up they know their hotel prices are going to be more expensive than they were in previous years and the car rental is just literally pushing people over the edge and they're just deciding we're not going to go to uh, Ireland which is which will mean that the tourism industry really will suffer and I saw Donny O'Sullivan tweeting on uh, Friday Donny O'Sullivan our much loved CNN uh, reporter from County Kerry he was tweeting on Friday that he tried to book a two door mini they just wanted a small little car obviously coming to Dublin airport I'm assuming was going to go down to Kerry to visit Mammy. Maybe he needed to get around the country. Maybe, I don't know if he was coming for work. Obviously not coming for work because I'm assuming CNN would pay if he was coming for work. So just for a few days. And he tried to book. He said for less than a week, it wasn't even a full week. And he did a screen grab. He showed how much it just came in at under €2,000 for a little mini to get Ardoni down to see his mammy for, you know, less than a week. It really is incredible. And I just don't think that there's, there's certainly any of the experts speaking are all giving the reasons why it's so expensive there's just not enough, not enough cars uh, for hire so I don't know what the, the, there doesn't seem to be a solution into the short term for sure 0818 103 103 Bernie's taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 Tim when I uh, was mentioning about the cost of car hire in this country uh, Tim says now you see why holidaying in Ireland is a no-no outside of car rental holidaying abroad is a much more affordable option says uh, Tim and James in Brewery says on insurance costs everything is becoming more expensive in this country compared to mainland Europe wine is more expensive mortgages coal insurance fuel James is a pensioner and there are days James says where he has to decide between filling his car and having breakfast God isn't that such a sad uh, statement I really do feel for anyone that's on a fixed 
income and obviously as a pensioner I'm assuming James and Rory you're on a fixed income it doesn't change from week to week or month to month yet everything else is uh, going up because certainly when I'm out doing my shopping at the weekend I've noticed everything has increased in uh, price and thankfully I can afford the increases don't like having to pay it but I pay it but it struck me as I was in the supermarket if you're on a fixed if my money was the same every single week how would I make it stretch you are looking therefore what you're putting in every item you're putting into your trolley but that's a a sad statement to make on a Monday morning as a pensioner trying to decide will I fill the car and if James is in Brewery and obviously needs the car to get anywhere they won't have he certainly won't have the Dart or the Lewis outside his door in a Brewery so he makes the decision will he fill the car or will he have his breakfast 0818-103-103-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03-03
normally gone because it's much harder to get volunteers yeah. nowadays. It's harder to get something up and running because yeah. of the momentum required. So we can't afford to lose them. And we have warned all along that probably the biggest threat that we faced with this insurance crisis has been the fabric of Irish society and the kind of damage that it would do. So the, the agricultural shows are a terrific example, um, and uh, unfortunately. And another great one, which the same journalist, Amy Malloy, has identified in The Independent this morning, uh, is Thatch Cottages. Mm. Um, and we're in a critical situation with Thatch Cottages now. Uh, and they've got to the point where only ones that are renewing their insurance can uh, can get cover, albeit at with big increases built in. Um, but anyone who buys a thatched cottage or builds a thatched cottage, heaven forbid, um, just cannot get cover now. Um, and they feature in the story one owner who hasn't had insurance for the last 10 years, which obviously comes with a, a, a lot of serious risks. And so you know, it, it's essentially those parts of the fabric of our society, uh, playgrounds, festivals, agricultural shows, thatch cottages, thatch pubs, which are really struggling to get cover. Um, so so we're sad. in danger of losing. Be so sad uh, to lose those, uh, Peter. It really would. And, and you know, if somebody's trying to set on a thatch cottage, uh, who's going to buy it if they know they can't get insurance? Nobody wants to run the risk of living in a house that you don't have insurance for. Well, that's precisely it. And uh, yeah. if, you, if you look at the way that liability insurance has, has developed over the last five years or so, where where the gains have been made, in other words, where policyholders have seen reductions and indeed substantial reductions, is in businesses that are essentially office based. Um, for example, insurance brokers are cited, but uh, anyone who's in an office uh, can get cover. So if if you look at everything that's around that in terms of the festivals, the community groups, the the community centres, the sports organisations, they're the things that are really struggling. And they're the stuff that make living in Ireland uh, so much fun. Mm. Uh, And I mean this in a very serious sort of way because if we lose them, uh, clearly we've lost a lot of the reasons uh, that Ireland is a great place. Yeah, 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 100%. Okay, can we take some hope from the government's proposals to amend the Occupiers Liability Act in relation to the duty of care? Yes, we can. We welcome the proposals. Uh, We think they're robust. We think they're fair. We think they're proportionate. Uh, They've been approached in a very sensible way. And the issue, as with all the reforms that are being proposed, is the timing. Um, We would expect these reforms to uh, receive some fairly uh, trenchant resistance from elements of the legal profession, those who uh, focus on personal injury claims. And uh, so there is a real chance uh, that these proposals will be delayed and will be delayed for quite some time. And government cannot allow that to happen. Yeah, because of all of the challenges facing business today, and we know cost of doing business has gone up everywhere, and it's, you know, and the knock on effect is it's gone up for the people, the community, and the voluntary groups organising these festivals and uh, shows. But it, the cost of insurance is one that the government can fix and probably can fix the quickest. That's that's precisely it. That's precisely it. They've, they've identified the issues, they have, they have a cabinet subgroup. Uh, focused on this issue with all the key ministers involved and chaired by the Donister. Um So they're they're geared up to do it, and it would be, you know, in the near future when we're looking back on the work of this government, it would be a real tragedy if one of the things that can be fixed, uh, and with all the fixes agreed and identified and agreed by both government and opposition, 
uh, if it turned out that we hadn't done it, uh, then that would be the real tragedy. And and like it, it's extraordinary. I cited the example um, recently of the uh, adventure tourism industry and the IAAT, uh, which is the representative body, um, meet their European counterparts regularly. And their European counterparts cannot get their head around the fact that insurance is an issue uh, that could put them out of business. For everywhere else in Europe, insurance is just like a utility bill and you pay it and you move on. Um, We're unique in that a set of circumstances have developed uh, which have meant that insurance now threatens the the future of many organisations. And that can't be allowed to, to continue. It is fixable. It just needs to be fixed very quickly. But also as a society, do we need to stop running to the courts every time somebody has a minor injury? Well, absolutely. Listen, if, if somebody is injured due to the negligence of somebody else, then they, they should be compensated. That's only fair. I suppose the, the, the issue with it is that for too long, we have uh, overcompensated on minor injuries to an enormous extent. Uh, now that has been fixed for now by the judicial guidelines which took a very common sense approach to the level of awards handed out on minor injuries uh, but there are a number of constitutional issues lining up or challenges I beg your pardon lining up in the high courts at the moment trying to derail those guidelines so there's no guarantee that even the the, uh, the reforms that have gone through uh, will be sustained and in the meantime yes uh, we need to have a long, hard look at ourselves in terms of the way that we use the courts uh, and the way that we litigate because it's it's impoverishing our society, unfortunately. Yeah, we're all losers. We really are all uh, losers. And just on the summer festivals and the, and the summer shows, uh, on average, what do you expect? Will they go up by about a tenner at the gate or is there any... Well, I, no, I, I, I don't think that the shows uh, were suggesting that they would go up by, by that much. Um, I think it was around the two to, two to five euro mark, as I, as I recall it. Okay. Um, but they will have to go up. And having said that, uh, I'd I finish off by saying that we, we should absolutely support the agricultural shows because it's just such a central part of Irish rural life. Uh, and uh, we'd really miss them if they were gone. Yeah, 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 100%. Listen, Peter, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is uh, Peter Boland of the Alliance of Insurance Reform. And just flagging that because we're about to go into that season of the agricultural shows and the summer festivals and the community uh, events that will be on right across uh, the summer. And if you get to the gate and it's more expensive, it's a couple of years more expensive than last year, don't be pleased having a go at the person on the gate. The understanding is there. The the cost of setting up those festivals uh, is just more expensive and the insurance absolutely Absolutely crippling. 0818103103. Bernie's taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Well, I mentioned at the top of the programme when we were sending congratulations uh, to the Cork uh, hurlers and what a thrilling match it was yesterday with their win over Tipperary. Uh, Jerry and Douglas contacted us. He's 93 years of age and he was watching the match with his granddaughter Deirdre yesterday. He said Tipperary went up six points and Deirdre put the light on in front of the Holy Mary picture and Cork scored immediately. 
immediately. Jerry is putting the wind down to the Holy Mary picture in his house and the lighting of the candle in front of the picture by his granddaughter. Uh, well done. Thanks, Jerry, and hope you're keeping well. Now, the first ever apprenticeship for bar managers has been launched. It's a three year BA course and it's a collaboration between the Vintners Federation of Ireland and Griffith College. And it'll be available here in Cork, in Dublin, and in Limerick. To discuss the need for such a course, I'm joined from the Cork Vintners Federation of Ireland by their uh, chairperson, Michael O'Donovan. Good morning to you, Michael. Morning, Patricia. Uh, always great uh, to talk to you. Now, while this is a BA course, it is an apprenticeship. So it's aimed, is it aimed at people already working within the industry? Yes, there are people that are working in the industry that are in jobs and bars already and the bar then nominates them to go forward for this um, degree course. Um, the first intake has already been, uh, that have started the course on the 27th of April in Limerick. Uh, there has been 27 of them and hopefully now in September there'll be, uh, well we already know there's a huge um, demand for the course so hopefully there'll be courses in Cork and Limerick in September to take in uh, a fresh batch to go in to start the, the degree course. So good interest so far? Yeah, it's been very good. Um, I think uh, when we were at the launch uh, last week in Limerick, um, there were talking about numbers of over 80 having applied uh, for the next batch of intake. So uh, it's really encouraging to see this. Now, just explain how it works. How many days a week would be actually spent in college? Look, there's three modules over the three years um, and it gives them, I suppose, a, a rounded experience because they do, you know, module one, things like licensing law, bar operations, communication skill, food and beverage, food safety, food production, uh, beverage service, personal development, bar operations. And in the bar operations, it's actually very poignant at the moment because there's occupational health, there's uh, occupational safety, customer safety. Um, so that accounts for all what we've been doing for the last two years, really. Uh, stock management, and then they get the, I suppose, the fundamentals of accounting uh, across the business. So module one, they'd be in college. It actually varies from different uh, aspects of it, but one to two days a week they'd be in college, and then they'd be working the, the other days. So they're, they're still able to earn their wage. Uh, while they're getting this degree course. So it's uh, a, look, it was designed by publicans, for publicans. So it's to benefit both the staff member um, that's going on the training course, but I suppose also they'll then be able to bring back their learnings and put it into practice in the establishment. And I, what we're hoping is this will bring the standards of our industry up over time. And you, are you hoping it'll also encourage people to see bar work and bar management as a full-time career? Yes, that was part of the reasoning behind. Uh, look, this was actually in the pipeline back in 2015, 2016. Um, and obviously it took a couple of years to get it developed and it paused. We were nearly ready to go with it uh, in 2020 when um, what happened happened. But uh, we're here now and look, it's, it's, it's up and running and it's great. And look, it, 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 it'll hopefully give people a career in, um, in bar management. And at the end of their three-year course, they will have a degree. So look, they'll have a piece of paper. They can go anywhere. They can travel the world with us. But mm. hopefully they'll also stay here in Ireland and work in our bars. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and that's said, what we want. We, we want to hang on to them. But some of them might go and might travel for a few years and, with their and degree underneath and, bring the, and then bring that experience back, back with them. Absolutely. And look, at least this way, it's a, it's a career path for them and it'll be a life choice. So um, look, with this, it'll give them, um, as I said, it'll give them the certificate at the end or degree. So it's uh, it's the first time that really this has been done in conjunction with publicans 
um, to, uh, who have designed this course for what we need in this day and age. Is the industry still struggling to fill vacancies, Michael? Absolutely. Look, uh, there's no day that I don't get calls from people looking for staff. It's very challenging at the moment. Um, you know, we're coming into the summer months and we're, look, I suppose this year especially, students would uh, fill a lot of uh, roles during the summer. Um, I think there's been a pent-up demand. I was talking to a colleague of mine uh, in Shannon last week and he said, you know, he never saw the numbers of cars going to Shannon Airport last Saturday week. Um, the J1s were going and like it was the flights out of Shannon were full so a lot of students have uh, have gone on their J1 which is I suppose part of what they do but uh, I think there's been a bigger number this year going than there has been in the last few years and that I suppose put pressure on hospitality for this summer. And what effect is the lack of workers having on the sector? Well, look, I suppose the, the immediate thing is, um, I think if anybody travels around uh, Ireland at the moment, you know, I do a good bit of travel with my role and um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's, it's, it's difficult to get a bar or a restaurant open in some places. Mm. Uh, um, they have to close their open, I suppose, in the busier times, uh, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, to be able to service the, the demand to them. And it's unfortunate, I, I, I think... Uh, Places are hoping to open seven days a week, but without the staff, it's going to be really challenging. Um, and that's, I suppose, the, the, that we have to work on in the next couple of weeks, that when the tourist season really kicks in, when the, when the schools finish in the next two weeks, that, uh, that hospitality will be able to provide the seven days a week. Yeah, are we, go, are we, are we will have a problem this summer between people staycationing, overseas tourists coming to this country. There could be a problem with people trying to find restaurants open. Yeah, it's look. I suppose it's, I don't think it'll be a problem on the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's the the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, mm. um, because like they're the days that obviously staff are given off to work the the busier times. Um, and the, what we're hearing is some staff it really suits them because they know that they're off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday each week, and they're working the other four days. Um, and look, but obviously it would be better to be open the seven days to provide the service. Um, but that's the challenge that's out there at the moment. Are you back to pre-COVID levels within your own bar? No. Uh, no. Look, it's not because uh, look, in the, the large towns, the cities, the one thing that we're hearing all the time is people working from home um, and it's having a, a tough effect, a knock-on effect on the hospitality, be it coffees at 10 o'clock in the morning, lunch trade, coffee in the afternoon, after-work drinks. If people are working in their houses, they're not in the big towns, they're not in the city, um, to be out socialising or having those. So that's a real, it's a real challenge across all sectors, really. And rising costs, I, I mean, I'm assuming a major issue within your industry as it is within everybody's industry. Yeah, look, gas, you, nearly every kitchen across the country uses gas for cooking in their uh, in their kitchens and gas has gone up nearly 143% since last August. So... Um, electricity isn't far behind us, you know, so uh, rising costs are, are, are just, uh, it's just really tough at the moment to make ends meet. Yeah. Okay. And back to the uh, degree course, uh, Michael, how do people find out more about the degree course? Yeah, they can log on to griffithcollege.ie and um, they go into the um, hospitality section and in there, there's the bar um, uh, the bar, it's called the bar manager with a national framework for, of qualification level 7 degree that's what they're looking for and that's what they click on and they fill in their application form they have to get their employer as well to fill in uh, an application form and they're in the list then to, they'll be contacted back to, 
to to put them, I suppose, in the queue to get into the course. No, I think I really do think it's a it's a, it's a terrific move and, and very much the right move. And I know yours is a family run business, so you went into the family uh, trade. But as a, as a career, is it something you've always enjoyed? I know it's been quite stressful through COVID and, and all of that, and with what's happening at the moment with the cost of living. But is it is it a career? Have you ever had any regrets about taking it as a career? No, look, I. I I myself went to college. I did hotel management in college in Shannon, and um, it's what I've always done. It's what I've always enjoyed. I suppose it, you know, I was as you said, I was born into the family <laughs> business. Um, I was born upstairs in a bar, so I grew up in a bar, um, and I suppose it's 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 a vocation. It's in your blood. So, you know, it's like a farmer. If you're born into the farm, it's it's a vocation you have. It's what I love doing. I love meeting people. So you know. Um, and there's challenges, but you just have to get through the challenges. But I suppose we've, uh, you know, when everybody else is at work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's our time to, you know, relax and go out and enjoy ourselves. And then we're there to work when people are out um, and we're there to entertain them and I suppose provide fun for them. Mm. So, look, it's, it's, it's what I've always done. I don't know another way of life. So it's the um, and I like it. I love it. And there's, the, and there's a lovely social side to it in c- constantly interacting with people, different people, people you get to know, almost like family members, I assume, the regulars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, look, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's great. Uh, you know, you get to meet people, you get to socialise with them and you meet different characters every day. So yeah, it, it, it's yeah. great in that, you know. And no, no place better for the characters than here with us in Cork. Michael, thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. No problem. Thank Good you. Good morning Patricia. to Bye. you. Bye bye. That is uh, Michael O'Donovan, who is chair of the Cork Vintners Federation of Ireland, about that new de- apprenticeship degree to train a generation of uh, bar managers. 0818103103. Bernie, taking your calls. And all this week, we're celebrating Cork's first ever Sky Shop, which opens this Wednesday on the ground floor at Mahon Point Shopping Centre. And every day this week, I'll play a clip of a show from the Sky Store with two possible answers now don't contact us yet in the next hour I'll tell you when you can text our WhatsApp if you know what show this clip comes from Would you like me to leave room for milk? Americanas don't have milk Some people like milk in their Americanas It's espresso and hot water Do I need to come back there and make it myself? No Okay, and I will give you the two shows that it could be from, but I'll do that. I'll play it again in the next hour and I'll give you the two possible answers and then it'll be your chance uh, to text our WhatsApp and you'll be a qualifier today going forward to the draw on Friday when one lucky listener then would win the ultimate home cinema package. It's worth €2,000. It has a projector there, a projector screen, home cinema sound system and they're also throwing in €100 in Sky Store vouchers so you can check out the latest movies on Sky all to celebrate Coke's first ever Sky Shop opening on Wednesday. Let me go to some of your calls and texts coming into the programme this morning. Denise in Mill Street was on to us And I don't know what is the possible solution to this issue. But Denise was visiting the churchyard graveyard in Mill Street and she describes it as being very overgrown. Now, she does accept that it's an old graveyard and there are many people buried in that graveyard that no longer have family members still alive. So obviously there's going to be huge neglect on those particular graveyards if there's nobody there to tend to them or to cut the grass, uh, etc. And 
they can become very overgrown, which is really sad to think, you know, the loved ones buried in these graveyards, nobody then to look after the graveyards and it becomes unkept looking and overgrown. Now she's, she accepts that there are some people who still have family members buried there and that they go in and cut the grass themselves. But she says she's noticed that some people don't take the grass cuttings away and then that just adds to the unkept nature of the graveyard and makes it look even worse. Denise reckons last summer the graveyard the graveyard in Mill Street was only cut twice now so I'm assuming it's the council go in and cut the graveyard. I know what's happened in other areas the communities have gotten together now this has particularly happened with very small graveyards that got very overgrown and like a little committee was set up and volunteers got involved and some fantastic work has been done in graveyards that way I don't know if that's a solution for Mill Street but I'm assuming am I right in saying it's it's the council and I, why are they only cutting twice in the summer is that down to a manpower issue and is that reflected in other graveyards that the council get in do the best that they can but they just don't have the manpower to cut the graveyards more often and if anybody can throw light on that, please do 0818103103. We were talking about tourists and the cost of car hire in the last hour on the programme and how car hire is going to affect tourist numbers coming into this country. A, there's not going to be enough cars to rent and the ones that are available for hire are just astronomical prices. James has a possible solution. He says after next week, there will be a lot of school minibuses parked up. Secondary school children, they'll be heading off on their school holidays and the primary school pupils will be a few more weeks after that. He says, could the school minibuses that are used at the moment during term time to ferry children to and from uh, schools could they not be used to drive tourists around the country and surely it wouldn't cost anything like hiring a car they could be insured for private hire. John and Blarney reckons that could be a possible solution to the problem and for anyone that has family members coming struggling to get reasonable car hire insurance Kay has suggested people could try Long Island Motors on McCurtain Street in Cork she said they're by far the cheapest in the market when it comes to car rental and I know last week when I spoke about it a number of people said that that the, the most expensive car hire and this I think is reflected all over the world are the cars that you pick up at the airport they're always the most expensive and certainly out of Dublin airport this year there's some staggering figures being quoted almost to the point you're saying I don't want to buy the car I just want to hire it for a couple of weeks and a lot of people were saying that as well For particularly for family members that are coming home to visit relatives that maybe if relatives can check out local car hire companies that they might they certainly will get it cheaper than what they will be paying by picking it up at uh, Dublin Airport for sure so thank you for that suggestion uh, Kay and who else has been on to us we were talking about the cost of insurance with Peter Boland in the last hour and I was just making the point do we need to do we somehow need to move away with some sections of our society who believe that if you trip over something it's got to be somebody else's fault you can't just have a fall and a cut in your knee you're running straight to the solicitors and you're, you're putting in a claim straight away do we need to move away from that mentality and it's kind of a new mentality that's probably in the, in the last 20 years I don't think prior to that 
were we such a litigious society. We used to laugh at the Americans who used to, you know, if they had an accident rather than call an ambulance, they called their lawyer first. We've almost become as bad as that in this country. And the effect, we all feel the effect of it because all of us are paying for it in our rising premiums for all types of different insurance. And Jerry and Glanthan says, even though the new personal injuries board has been set up, there are still people putting in, he reckons, false claims. The insurance companies then won't fight the false claim. Why? Because it's too expensive for them to go down the legal route and to take on the person with the claim. Therefore, that makes it easier for people to put in false claims and therefore they get a payout. And you will see that in the papers every now and again. I love when you see people getting caught out, though, people who have put in a false claim and it'll turn out, you know, they seem to be the unluckiest family in the world. They've had nine or ten claims each. And, you know, the, all the family members always seem to be in the car at the same time when they got rear-ended or something happened to somebody, somebody fell and the three people from the one family can all have the same fall on the same footpath. And, and you know there are people who've always made a career out of making these uh, claims and you are right Jerry. It we, we do need to start calling out these people I can understand it from the insurance companies though because if you go down the legal route it is so costly uh, to go to court we've got to come up with some other way of weeding out those that are putting in the false claims thank you for your your uh, call Jerry. and then John O'Donnell from the, the city was on he was listening to me chat to Michael O'Donovan talking about the BA course the degree course for bar management John says you can have all the courses and all the degrees in the world but those within the hospitality sector need to start paying proper wages. The reason people do not did not come rushing back into the hospitality sector is because they found better paid at work. But of course, the knock on of that is if you've got the hospitality sector increasing wages and people should be paid a fair wage, 100%, uh, John. But then the cost of everything goes up. And already a lot of people, particularly the, sm- in the smaller hospitality sector businesses will already tell you they are running on an extremely tight margin. There are business owners who are paying their staff and bear, and in some cases not even drawing down a wage just to keep the front door uh, open. So I don't know how easy it is to just simply say we increase everybody's wages, but wages will have to go up. Absolutely, wages are going to have to go up because of the knock-on effect of the cost of living. And when I spoke only earlier this morning about everything going up in price, and I'm even noticing when I'm out doing my weekly shop or the little midweek shop that you have to do during the week, we had the call in from James in Bruff, who is an old-age pensioner, and he says there are days where he has to decide will he put petrol into the car or will he have his breakfast? He's like literally living on a tight a margin as that. And somebody says, Patricia, I thought that was so sad listening to James, that pensioner, tell his story. My God, what have we come to as a country? Is it no longer a country for the elderly to even survive in? My heart goes out to all of them, particularly those who are living just on a state pension only, to, uh, you know, having to try to pay for uh, everything. It is so, so uh, sad, says uh, this texter. Yeah, and I have to say, I always I always get upset when I see somebody taking time out to call us to share a story like that because that's the reality for so many people. I mean, we've heard people in the winter months, you know, trying to keep themselves warm and they're watching the heating, watching the electricity they're putting on, you know, people almost sitting in the dark to not have the lights on and putting on extra jumpers and putting blankets on them or going to bed early was the famous one in order to try to cut down on the uh, heating. 
exciting. It's, yeah, really, really sad. And then a listener, and I'm assuming, is this somebody new to the free travel pass? Says, hi, Patricia, can you find out, do I need a ticket to go on a train? I have a free travel pass. Or can you just hop on the train, says Mary, with your free travel card? No, you do. You definitely need to book a ticket, uh, Mary. And Bernie, you know, just got onto the Mallow Travel, um, the Mallow train station to say they're still advising people to pre-book uh, tickets, although it's not compulsory, which means... They, ideally, they want you to pre-book your tickets online and you pre-book it and you can do it with, with your travel pass and then when you go up to the train station, you can print off uh, your ticket or if the ticket office is open, you can do it that way as well. You can just present your travel pass and then you physically get a ticket boarding the train but you can't just jump on with your free travel pass that's not a ticket in itself uh, so either pre-book or go up to the train station and if the what well, I don't know if, if it's Mallow or what train station you're planning on travelling on um, Mary but you, if the ticket office is open you'll get your ticket that way as well 0818 103 103 and I can see t- uh, questions coming in for Annalise Trissell keep those coming she'll join us in the last hour of the programme answering your nutritional questions so if you have questions for Annalise you can either get them into Barney or you can text or WhatsApp me to 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs With Munster Technological University enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full time part time and professional courses succeeding together with MTU.ie St Finbar's Cathedral in Cork they're looking for a tour guide and a shop assistant and a full training will be provided CVs please to the supervisor at cccg.ie a childbinder is wanted for a one year old and a four year old it's two days per week and it's in the Drummahan area and it will start in August of this year 087 the white horse that's in Ballincollig they're holding a recruitment open day Tomorrow week, Tuesday the 31st of May, between 6 and 8pm, full and part-time posts available with great opportunities to train within hospitality. Please bring your CV along on the day or you can email it to careers at whitehorse.ie. And an experienced 360 excavator driver is wanted for Ashgrove Recycling in Churchfield Industrial Estate CVs to info at ashgrovecycling.ie You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. One in ten people contacting the Eating Disorders Association of Ireland body-wise for help are male or their loved one of a male struggling with an eating disorder to discuss a male-only support group which is to be established by BodyWise next month. I'm joined by their communications officer and that's Ellen Jennings. Good morning to you, Ellen. Good morning, Patricia. And you're, you're, having me. Well, you're very welcome to the programme. Do you think that there is still almost a bit of a myth out there that eating disorders mainly affect only teenage girls or young women and it isn't something that men really need to worry about? Yeah, absolutely. That's something that has existed for quite a while, the stigma around eating disorders being seen as a female issue. And, you know, we know that that's just not the case. Um more and more men are coming forward and speaking out about their experience. And I think it's so important that men are coming forward and speaking out about this because 
um, often for men it can be difficult to speak up about uh, mental health conditions and we would often describe it as kind of a double stigma because not only is it speaking out about having a mental health condition but also a mental health condition that can um, sometimes be regarded as a female issue. Mm. Um, So when we see men come forward, we hope that in a way it will help to break the stigma and, um, you know, make it easier for people to speak up about these types of concerns. Would they even, would some men even find it hard to reach out to very close family members to say, I think I've got a bit of a problem here? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the nature of an eating disorder is to be quite secretive and um, that coupled with, you know, trying to open up the conversation about having a difficulty with our relationship with food and our body can be really difficult um, in the best of times. You know, it's it's not something that's easy to, to speak about. And when that stigma exists, it kind of makes it even more difficult for someone um, to open up about it. And we know that eating disorders are very complex mental health conditions that affect people in a number of different ways. So, you know, if someone's concerned about someone, they might um, recognise a few different um, changes to the person, maybe in terms of their personality, their mood. They might seem more reserved, avoiding situations around food. Um, And we know it's not all about food and our body. There's lots more um, complex aspects to the eating disorder that might not be so visible on the outside, if that makes sense. Yeah, and tell me a little bit about this men-only support group that you hope to establish. So we are always trying to listen to what our support, um, the people who use our support services are requesting. And, you know, this is something that's come up a few times. And last year in particular, we had um, a lot of, a lot more men coming forward to use our services, as um, you mentioned previously. So um, the idea for the support group is um, to create a space, I suppose, for men to feel comfortable to speak out about their experiences, a safe space that will be monitored by our trained volunteers. Um, So in that, we hope that it will provide a space for more men to be able to speak out about this with other people who might um, have similar experiences. Um, And, you know, for some men, we know that um, it can be difficult, as you said, to to reach out for help Mm. to speak about it and oftentimes people don't speak up until maybe they reach a crisis point or they're um, experiencing a deterioration in their health. So the idea is that, you know, someone doesn't need to be diagnosed with an eating disorder to use our services if they're just concerned about anything or they're concerned about someone um, they're welcome to, to use yeah, our and services. I think I think that's important and I did mention that in, in the introduction you know, when I was talking about the number of, of males who were contacting you it wasn't just males, it was a loved one with a male struggling with an eating disorder and I think that's important to get that message out because sometimes a family member who is witnessing a loved one and who has concerns and particularly it's very hard when the when the person isn't saying I need help the family member can find it very hard to how do I bring up this subject they don't want to say the wrong thing and that's where BodyWise can help family members and friends. Yeah, absolutely. That is something that we hear a lot, that it can be really difficult to open up that conversation if you're concerned about someone. 
what we would always say is to try and bring it back to the feeling. You know, an eating disorder is a coping mechanism for dealing with something else in their life that they might be finding difficult to cope with. And it's all about, you know, the feelings that are going on underneath rather than the behaviours. The behaviours, I suppose, are a symptom, you could say, of, of what's really going on for the person. So we do have our family support programme as well. That's called Pillar. Um, and that's a four-week programme where parents, families, siblings, loved ones can all learn how to support someone with an eating disorder. Um, so that offers both psychoeducation as well as practical skills for managing at home, you know, understanding the eating disorder and um, dealing with difficult emotions like shutdown and um, even managing things like mealtimes and just that communication aspect that can be quite difficult when um, living with an eating disorder. Yeah, and I always think it's knowing the right thing to say because the last thing you want to say is to say the wrong thing that might trigger something. Yeah, that's it. But it's also important, I suppose, to know that there's no one way to do it either. You know, it's it's going to be very different for everyone. Um, and if we think about the way the eating disorder kind of affects the person's um, thoughts, their feelings, their behaviours, you know, it can be very complex. So there's no one size fits all mm. when it comes to, you know, treatment and recovery from an eating disorder. Either. Yeah. So a, like no two people with an eating disorder will be the same. It's, you know, it's it's so individual to the person, isn't it? And what's going on in their lives. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, you know, all you can do is your best. And um, I suppose it's important to reach out for help if um, you feel that 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 would help. Yeah, because that person needs the support. The family member very much needs the support as well. And overall, Ellen, you've seen an increase, haven't you, in eating disorders during the pandemic? Absolutely. During the pandemic, you know, we have seen on our services um, a doubling of attendance at a lot of our different services. And we would kind of put that down to... um, you know, the pandemic created this uncertainty and lack of structure and routine that the person might usually have in their life. And there's no one cause of an eating disorder. Um, It can be a combination of different factors, both internal and external to the person. So um, the the stress of the pandemic definitely intensified things for people. Um, And it was difficult, I suppose, for people who were experiencing the onset of an eating disorder, it intensified things for them. And then for people who might have been in recovery, it um, had an influence on maybe more relapses and we had seen oh. an increase. Yeah, it's, it's so very sad. Difficult. It's so sad, and and I and I and I often think as well when I was you know looking at it during the pandemic because I know we did we did interviews during the pandemic about eating disorders, trying to reach out and uh, help people, and and it struck me you know being isolated, it, it was a perfect way for somebody to hide an eating disorder. Yeah, that secretive nature of the eating disorder um, allows the eating disorder to thrive in those conditions, I suppose, which can be really, really difficult to move away from that. Like when we talk about recovery from an eating disorder, you're asking the person to let go of something that they have been using to cope and to make them feel okay. Um, So that's why it can be really, really difficult for someone to let go of that and to, to make those small steps towards recovery. And is lack of funding for specialist treatment, Ellen, in this country still an issue? So the HSE National Clinical Programme was set up to address, I suppose, what was seen as a postcode lottery for people 
Um, so it's really important that um, the ring fenced funding continues for that year on year so that that model of care can be fulfilled because we know that there are people on waiting lists and um, it is a difficult situation to be in. Um, what I would like to say is that our support services are open to everyone, um, whether you're in treatment, whether you're just concerned about something, um, and that we have actually an active waiting page on our website for people who might be on a waiting list with a lot of resources and things there um, to help support them in any way that we can during that time. That must be really tough on somebody who has got to the stage where they've reached out, they need help and they're waiting on treatment. Absolutely. It's so important that that funding is there so that the treatment aspect can be um, can be fulfilled. You know, we provide the support element of that and then the um, HSC clinical programme provides that treatment element. Okay, and and on the positive side, and this is important for us to talk about this, Ellen, people can and do recover from an eating disorder. Yes, that's something that we, we really like to emphasise, that, you know, the road to recovery can be difficult. There's lots of ups and downs along the way, um, but it's absolutely fully uh, possible to fully recover from an eating disorder and um, reaching out for that support is the first step towards recovery. Okay, and just remind us of your phone numbers and how people can contact uh, Bodywise Ellen. So we have our helpline that's 01210 Then our email support is alex at bodywise.ie. So that's A L E X at B O D Y W H Y S. IE. That's often called a helpline call and an email. You know, you can talk through things on there. Um, you know, as I said, you don't need a diagnosis or anything. And as we mentioned at the start, we're setting up an online uh, support group for men and that will be launched on the 13th of June um, along with that's Men's Health Week that week. So. Oh, is it okay? It's good. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good week, a really good week to launch it. How are you funded, by the way, at Bodywise? So we're funded by the Department of Health to provide the support element. Okay, all right, that's great. That's great. You do, you really do amazing uh, work. You really do. Uh, And of course, Body Wise, and we always emphasise this when we're saying it, it's B-O-D-Y and the wise is W-H-Y-S, bodywise.ie. Ellen, thank you for that. Continue good luck with the great work at Body Wise and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks so much, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is Ellen Jennings, who is the communications officer uh, with uh, Bodywise. 0818 uh, Bernie is taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862103103. And a reminder to you that the rocket man, the one and only Elton John, he is on his farewell world tour. And I love the fact that he has named the tour Farewell Yellow Brick Road. This, he promises, is going to be his very, very last tour. And to celebrate that he's saying goodbye from a live point of view, I wonder will he still continue to 
produce music only time will tell but he's uh, celebrating of course he's coming to Leaside and there is a gig down for Porky Creef on the 1st of July so C103 we want to send you and a friend to see Elton John not once we're planning on sending you to see Elton John twice the first concert we will get you to is Anfield in Liverpool that's on the 17th of June we'll get you back home again and then you'll be getting ready to go to Porky Creeve on the 1st of July well how is it all happening you've got to listen out across the day parts for the hits of Elton John every time we play two Elton John songs together that will be your opportunity to text our WhatsApp for your chance to win a place in the final draw. You experience Elton John twice. It's with the Blackpool Shopping District. No gimmicks, no notions, no paid parking, just shopping. It's what they do best. And by the way, the prize does include return flights from Cork to Liverpool. We're also throwing in private airport transfers when you land in Liverpool. We're putting you up for two nights. You've got luxury hotel accommodation. That will be in central uh, Liverpool. It's bed and breakfast. And there's also a three-course meal and some drinks thrown in on one of the nights. So that's a wonderful little package and a wonderful little trip away to Liverpool. Of course, the ultimate one, you'll be going to see Elton John for the first time and then coming back to see him in Pork. Creeve so listening out but you, we, you, we will play two one Elton John song on its own no use Jay. you're waiting for two Elton John songs together and your chance to win only on C103 Record today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 now my next guest this morning is planning to take part in next month's Dublin's women's mini marathon and she plans to do it without hearing or vision to find out more and to, to discuss a condition called Usher syndrome I'm joined by Deirdre Leach of the Anne Sullivan Foundation good morning to you Deirdre Good morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome uh, to the programme. I suppose start by explaining to us what you plan to do on the day of the mini marathon so that you'll be able to take part without sound or vision. Sure, Patricia. So I know it seems a, a, a bit crazy, um, but I'm, my challenge for myself is going to be to walk the 10 kilometres um, with a guide uh, fully fully blindfolded and fully um, with no hearing. So I'll have um, earphones on, but also I'm going to wear um, another set of ear, ear, earbuds inside that'll really cause me to have no hearing whatsoever. So I'm really going to immerse myself uh, into the, the world of someone with no hearing or vision. Will you, now as you say, you will have a guide. Will you use a long cane? Yes. So I'm going to, um, the guide will be wearing what's called a ramble tag. So there'll be, um, it'll be around her arm and then there's um, a handle. So I won't pull her arm off (laughs) while we're walking, but I'll also be holding a cane. um, And it'll be the red and white cane, which indicates that someone not only has uh, vision impairment, but also hearing impairment. So that's, um, I will use that as an indicator at the beginning of the walk, but then I will most likely be using it as a way to, uh, you know, find obstacles in my path while I'm walking. So, um, yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting. The, the, and the, the red and the red and white cane. I mean, most people, if they see somebody who's visually impaired, it's it's a white cane, and people will, you know, exactly. clearly say, "Oh, that that person is is visually impaired." But the, the the red and white, I don't think that many people are aware of. 
No, and I'm hoping to bring some awareness to that, Patricia. So I, I appreciate you mentioning. Um, yes, the red and white cane would indicate that uh, someone has um, hearing impairment as well. So uh, just to let you know, even bus drivers or uh, people driving in cars know that you know not only can this person um, you know not uh, see obstacles, but they may not hear them as well. What do you think is going to be the hardest part for you? Oh, well, I suppose I'm not going to have a chance to train. So my guide, Trudy, um, who's one of the other um, board members of Usher um, Syndrome Ireland, uh, she lives in Dublin and I live in Galway. So we won't get a chance to meet. The The, race, the walk is in two weeks. And uh, just through, uh, I suppose, busyness of lives, uh, I won't be getting up to Dublin uh, to train with her. So we're going to need to, just, uh, and we still need to do this, is find some sort of tactile um cues and you know touch cues that we can use during the race if if she needs to you know to tell me something because we won't be able to communicate during the walk so it's a long you know 10 kilometers is a long way so absolutely it, uh, yeah, it will be challenging yeah and it, i mean i've done women's mini marathons before particularly the beginning part can be very busy and i'm just trying to get yes. into my head how disconcerting it'll be for you you know not being able yeah, to see and not being able to hear the activity around you yeah, and that's the hope. I, I hope, you know, I hope it's hard and I hope it's a challenge and I really hope to bring awareness to what, you know, what people uh, with dual sensory loss, you know, experience every day of their lives. So I'm only doing it for a few hours, um, but I'm, I'm really hoping it's hard so that I can come back and, and share with people how, um, how challenging it was, what life was like, really to put, you know, myself in their shoes for just a few hours um you know it's it's really it's the least i could do because the people on this um you know the people at ann sullivan foundation the people at usher syndrome ireland um they work tirelessly to try to bring awareness um to this condition and to you know the challenges that that people face every day so i i'm i'm actually looking forward to it i really hope it's hard do you know well done well done i know the closest i can say to me experiencing it i did uh a thing in New York called Dialogue in the Dark, where you it was an indoor event and the, the idea was that you were visually impaired, complete darkness, and you were meant to be negotiating your way around New York City and we had a guide and all yes. and, and all of that. And I remember the most disconcerting part was when you had to walk down a slope. If you can't see and you're walking down a slope, it is really off-putting. Your, your, your balance and everything seems to go. So that's the one warning I will give Absolutely. you. Be careful on, on the slopes. Now, you want okay. to bring awareness and raise funds for Usher Syndrome Ireland, of which, as you say, you've recently become a board member. I suppose start and explain to people what is Usher Syndrome. Sure. So Usher Syndrome, um, it's a genetic um, condition. It's very rare. Um, and the symptoms of Usher Syndrome are um, uh, hearing loss and then um, sight loss through, uh, it's called retinitis pigmentosa. Um, so what happens is the, the vision and the hearing loss um, become progressive. So typically people start their lives um, with the hearing loss. Maybe they're, they may be totally deaf um, and then they don't um, have a loss of vision until later on, maybe in their teens, 20s, maybe even later in life. So um, that causes a challenge because if you're, I suppose, if you're a, a visual learner and you, you're re relying on either sign language or lip reading um, to communicate, and then um, you lose your vision, you know, that becomes very challenging. Um, and I suppose there are a lot of different types. Um, there's three different types, but then there are also subtypes. Um, and so I suppose 
some people may not be aware that they have Usher syndrome until later in life when they experience this vision loss. And that must be very frightening for somebody who already yeah. is coping and dealing with hearing loss to suddenly be told you're going to lose your sight. And I'm assuming it's gradual, is it? Does the sight fade away? It, it is gradual. And oh. be, based on whichever type um, a person is diagnosed with, uh, it, it can be uh, a, a progressive vision loss all the way to, um, to fully blind. That's tough. That really is tough. And how is it diagnosed? Uh, so it's a genetic diagnosis. So you'd have to um, see a geneticist. Um, and like I said, some people may be diagnosed very early, but may also may not be diagnosed until later on in life. So um, it can be very challenging to, you know, to deal with that di- diagnosis. And that's something we're hoping, um, you know, as, a, as a, again, as a brand new organization is uh, provide I suppose, support for people in accepting the diagnosis and, you know, learning what supports are out there and what resources, but also for research. And research is a really key thing. I suppose there's uh, research costs a lot of money. So that's, you know, one of the main things in this fundraiser that I'm doing is um, not only to bring awareness to it, but to um, to raise funds to maybe, you know, to be able to participate in, in uh, research studies that, you know, they happen mm. all over the world, but we need to try and, and, and get them here. <laughs> yeah, and it is it is genetic, so it, run, it runs in families then, does it? That's correct, yeah. Uh, and no no known cure as of as of now? No, there's a lot. There are a lot of different um, research um, and studies and medical advances that are happening now. Um, so it, it's really exciting. There's a lot that, that that's happening, but again, a lot of it's in its very early stages. So um, hopefully, those will um, you know in the next few years um, happen, and and we can maybe see a decrease in these numbers. But there, you know, we we estimate there are about 200 to 250 people um, living in Ireland with this condition. So um, you know, if anyone is out there and, you know, wants some information, definitely get on to um, usherireland.org. Um, or if they have dual sensory loss, you can also get on to ansullivan.ie. So there's definitely a lot of resources out there, but it's just such a low incidence, um, you know, uh, condition and um, that, there, you know, there aren't a lot of resources or it's not, there's not definitely not a lot of awareness out there. No, anyway. no. And 250 people, that's, a, I know it's rare enough, that's still a lot of people in this country living with the yeah. condition. And I suppose I have to fess up and say, uh, Deirdre Leach, I know extremely well, because as I mentioned, Deirdre <laughs> works for the Anne Sullivan Foundation. And she's actually, my listeners know Marcia well, because I talk about her so much. Uh, Deirdre <laughs> is Marcia's outreach uh, worker and uh, she travels from uh, Galway uh, down to work with Marcia and work with the team who work with Marcia. And that's what you do with the Anne Sullivan Foundation, isn't it? Are you, is that, is it mm-hmm. outreach worker? Is, is, I always describe you as that, and I don't know if that's the correct title yes. to give you. Yeah, yeah, you can call me that. Yeah, um, yeah. We have an outreach service um, that covers the whole country, and then we also have um, residential services in uh, in Dublin, uh, where we have um, 15, uh, 15 residents uh, in a day service as well. So that uh, could be any any cause of of uh, dual sensory loss or deaf blindness. And actually, two of the residents will be walking the VHI as well uh, with their staff um, on the day as well. So I'm not sure if I'll bump into them, oh. uh, maybe figuratively and, <laughs> and literally, I may be bumping into them if uh, my my mobility skills aren't great that day. But um, yeah, I just want to give a shout out to them. There, there'll be two residents walking That's as fantastic. Well. That is fantastic. Yeah. And you, you're doing as a fundraiser for uh, Usher syndrome. Usher Syndrome Ireland, yes. So how, yes. Ca- how, they, yeah. how can people donate? 
Um, so there's an I donate page. Um, it's uh, uh, I donate.ie um, forward slash DLH USI. So the USI is for Usher Syndrome Ireland. I'm sure if you search it as well, It'll it will come up. Come up. Okay. Um, or you can go to um, you can go to usherireland.org and that you'll find all kinds of information on Usher syndrome, the causes, um, you know, any resources, and you can meet the team. I have to give a shout out to the Usher Syndrome Ireland team. Um, five uh, women who are absolutely fantastic to, to work with, uh, and some of them are your listeners. So Deborah Heffernan who is, will be listening, uh, and I think her, her mother-in-law, so we have, to, we have to say hello to her mother-in-law. I think you, you might be aware of them. I am uh, indeed, and also I am indeed. Carol, yeah, Carol Brill, Trudy Matthews, um, Audrey Jeffman and Ann Shields and just want to say that half of the board um, are living with Usher syndrome so um, they really they're fantastic supporters um, advocates um, you know just really really great women um, to work with well so well uh, just have to say hello to them well, well well done listen and you're a brave lady doing what you're doing we wish you good, <laughs> good luck with it and, and I'll speak to you again soon but in the meantime thank you for that and thanks for taking our call Thanks, Patricia. Good. Thank you to your listeners. Good morning to you. That is Deirdre Leach of the Anne Sullivan Foundation. 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking your calls today. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 Okay, our competition was celebrating Cork's first ever Sky Shop, which is opening on Wednesday, 25th of May, on the ground floor of the Mahan Point Shopping Centre. This Friday, we are giving one lucky listener a chance to win the ultimate home cinema package. Every day this week, I'll play a clip of a show from the Sky Store every day and then I'll give you two possible answers and you've got to text in the correct answer. Here is today's clip. Would you like me to leave room for milk? Americanas don't have milk. Some people like milk in their Americanas. It's espresso and hot water. Do I need to come back there and make it myself? No. I have to say, I like milk in my Americano. Now, that is a clip either from Big Little Lies or the mayor of East Town. So is it A, Big Little Lies or B, Mayor of East Town. To be today's qualifier, you need to get texting or WhatsApping now to 0862103103 if you know which Sky show does this come from. Would you like me to leave room for milk? Americanas don't have milk. Some people like milk in their Americanas. It's espresso and hot water. Do I need to come back there and make it myself? No. Okay, get texting and WhatsApping on that, please. And we will leave it open for about 10 minutes or thereabouts because we'll need to clear it then for Annalise's questions uh, later on. Which show does that clip come from? A, Big Little Lies or B, Mayor of East Town. And if you are today's qualifier, then you're one step closer to winning the ultimate home cinema package. It's worth €2,000. It's got a projector. The projector screen is there. We're not just letting you look at something and you don't have decent sound because you've got a home cinema sound system and €100 in Sky Store voucher. So you can check out all of the latest movies on uh, Sky, celebrating uh, the fact that the first ever shop, Sky Shop, opened in Mahan Point Shopping Centre and it is happening this uh, Wednesday. Get texting or WhatsApping there. And while we are waiting for today's qualifier just to take a look at some of your questions I can see 
questions and comments questions coming in for Annalise keep those coming please she'll be joining us in a little while on the programme Bernie's taking calls text or WhatsApp hold off until we get our competition out of the way but a listener was on I mentioned about the free travel earlier on the programme because Mary one of our listeners was wondering how did the free travel she has her free travel the card does she just hop on the train and just show the card and we were explaining to her no you have to either book your ticket online which is the ideal way to do it or you can present at the ticket office at a train station if the ticket office is open and get your ticket just hand in your travel pass and they'll give you a ticket free of charge and then away you go on the train and enjoy your day out somebody then heard us talk about that and says Patricia does anybody know does the free travel pass, does it work to get a train all the way to Belfast? Because you know the way you can get a train from here in Cork to Dublin and then you, you have to change train stations, don't you, as well? And then you go on the train from Dublin to Belfast. It's a great way to travel all the way from Cork to Belfast to hop on the train. But does the free travel pass that gets you from Cork to Dublin, does your free travel pass also entitle you to get a ticket for the Dublin to Belfast train? Now we'll try and find out but in the meantime I just said to Barney I'm sure one of our listeners will know because one of our listeners already has a free travel pass may in the past have gone on the train all the way to Belfast if you can do it is is it is it as simple as getting the train from Cork to Dublin that you just present to get your ticket or how do you need to pre-book in advance let us know please Bernie's taking your calls on that one to 0818 oh, sorry to 0818 now on the oh the graveyard in Mill Street you remember Denise was on to us one of our first calls uh, this morning she was just saying that the graveyard in Mill Street next to the church very overgrown very unkept looking and she was making the point that the they cut it twice last year, but whether it hasn't been cut so far this year. And she says, you know, there are some people maintaining their graves, but there are others no longer have any loved ones living locally, nobody to tend to the graves. So they're looking particularly unkept. And she was wondering, you know, what could be done uh, about it? And, you know, if we knew any more about it. Well, Mary in Passage was saying some of the locals are looking after their local graveyard and parts of it are kept uh, lovely. I'm, I'm assuming this is down in Passage. She says the council do nothing to help uh, she also feels that in some cases they've destroyed graveyards with the strimming and now they have left one side of the graveyard and I'm assuming this is in passage overgrown they're saying it's for wildlife and that's going on in a lot of areas you'll see the green you know greens where in housing estates are being left I'm slow to say to rewild because they're not going to completely left them rewild but there has been a push this year and it, it's to do with the bees and the wildlife and that areas they're, they're, they're trying to encourage people not to cut I mean we're all being told not to cut our grass as much as we normally do I heard one expert saying if we could reduce cutting our grass to once a month and some people are great about that think that's great because they don't like cutting their grass others then are like love their manicured lawns and want to insist on keeping their lawns so they'll cut it way more than once a month but I've certainly noticed green areas in housing estates the council are leaving it and it's to do with wildlife and biodiversity and it's particularly important for the bees and the first dandelions of the season are very important to bees as well so there is a lot of that going on are they doing the same thing in graveyards obviously well from that text in from Mary they are but the yes I, I did mention that earlier as well Mary there are fantastic local committees that people have set up themselves and they're doing fantastic work looking after their own graves and also looking after the graves of 
people who are no longer there and you know very unkept because they can be very old graveyards and it's just, there's a, I think there's a I particularly find it very sad if you stumble across a graveyard that's very overgrown and you can't even see the the names that are on the headstones. So to me, but maybe that's just a thing with me. I think it's uh, very very sad indeed. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Bernie is taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. And earlier. When I was I was talking with Deirdre Leach of the Ansolva Foundation, and I mentioned Marcia, uh, because she's Marcia's outreach worker. But Deirdre is going doing the Dublin City Marathon, and she's going to do it blindfolded and with noise cancelling headphones to see what it would be like to walk ten kilometres in a Dublin City Women's Marathon. What it would be like to do it as somebody who is deaf blind, and she mentioned that she'd have the long cane. And the one thing that I forgot to say to her that she, that I'm assuming her guide is somehow going to have to steer her around, and that's dog poo on the route that she's doing the 10k and I had we had marched out yesterday we went for a little stroll downtown with her yesterday afternoon and I couldn't get over the I mean there was myself and her dad you know holding her hand obviously on either side and we kept going move left move right move over oh watch oh. it just seemed to be I don't know whether yesterday it was just particularly bad or whether I just noticed it yesterday and on the beautiful new boardwalk which got recently installed in Mallow walking over that there was a few big lumps of dog poo and somebody had obviously stepped into it because it got mashed into the boardwalk and I just thought oh my god like is this is this actually getting worse then I opened the papers uh, this morning and the Irish Independent have a, a piece where only a very small number of fines for fouling have been issued by many of the local authorities in recent years and that is despite a growing number of dogs being kept as pets. We know the pandemic played a part in that. More and more people decided to take on dogs during lockdown. So pet ownership and dog ownership in particular has gone up. And according to this survey that was done by the Irish Independent, some councils have issued no fines at all in the last five years. Fouling remains a persistent problem all over the country, as many pet owners either do not clean up after themselves or what's even worse, I think, they'd bag the waste and then they'll throw it on the ground or they'll toss it in over the hedge instead of putting it into a bin. So they'll go to the effort of bringing the poo bags with them, but then they won't dispose of it responsible, responsibly. And the difficulty in proving a dog owner has not cleaned up after their pet's mess is the main reason that so many local authorities say that's why we've issued no fines or we've issued very few fines. And there are fines. It's under Section 22 of the Litter Pollution Act 1997. It is an offence in this country not to clean up after your dog if they fouled in any public area. And by the way, that does include our beaches as well. The law states it carries an on-the-spot fine of €150. If you go to court, the fine could go up as high as €4,000. And of all of the local authorities that responded to the survey by the Irish Independent uh, today, the highest number of fines issued for dog fouling, and this was over the last five years, were Fingal County Council, 36 fines in total. Dublin City Council, 27 fines in total. And then we, our good selves here, Cork County Council, uh, we issued 37 fines. But that's over a five-year period. I mean, that isn't even 10 fines a year. Dog excrement can and does cause 
gastro illnesses, things like vomiting and diarrhea. And it can, in very extreme cases, cause blindness in children if the faeces contains eggs of the roundworm parasite and they get into a child's eye and you don't even want to think about that. And with an increased number of dogs being kept as pets, the problem is getting worse uh, according with those that have to um, uh, deal with it. Now, while most people have at some stage, we've all done it, we've walked in dog dirt, or you've been wheeling, you've had a kitty in the pram and you've pushed the pram over it, or you put the bicycle wheel into it, and before you know it, you, you haven't realised you've done it when you're out and about, and you've dragged it back in and you brought it in through the carpet, you brought it in home with you, and you can imagine the effing and blinding that goes on when that happens. But it's particularly troublesome for people who are wheeled chair users because they can end up getting it on their hands and then on their clothes and there's a man quoted in the paper John Fulham, he's from Donabate in North County Dublin and he has spina bifida and he is a wheelchair user and he says it happens to him all the time and he said it's especially problematic in autumn when the leaves are on the footpath they hide the dog waste and then poor John is going along in his wheelchair rolling his wheelchair along he rolls over doesn't realise there's dog poo under the leaves it ends up on the wheels of his wheelchair then it ends up on his hands it ends up on his clothes and then he says it's really frustrating if he's forgotten to bring wet wipes uh, with him and then he's got to go back into the car he can end up dragging it with him into the car and he can't clean up properly until he gets uh, home it's, it really really is uh, shocking and one tidy Towns Group is quoted as saying that they did a clean up recently and the volunteers took away 35 bags of dog dirt from behind a hedge on the path from the car park up to the forest. So people have gone to the bother of bringing their poo bags with them, picking up after their dog and then kind of in a quick look around, nobody's looking and just tossing it into the hedge. And it's the big, why do people go to the bother of bringing their poo bag with them and then they just fling the bag into the bush and leave it there for somebody else to pick up. And it is antisocial. And one of the people with this tidy towns groups was saying somebody else then has to go out and, and pick it up from that person. And part of the responsibility of owning a dog is having to clean up the mess and take it away. And only last week, and I see it quoted in the article, something that we highlighted on the programme was that research that was conducted by UCD in Dublin. And they were highlighting just how destructive dog excrement can be on the quality of our bathing water and we need to do everything to protect our uh, bathing water. So please, if you have a dog, will you please clean up properly? And that means either finding a bin to dispose of your dog poo in the bag or else please bring it home. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. A dementia awareness evening will be held in the Maritime Hotel in Bantry on Monday the 27th of uh, May, that's tonight, sorry, seven between 7 and 9. It's an opportunity to learn from the experiences of families and carers living with dementia. Donnerail Active Retirement, their next meeting is this afternoon, half past three. Presentation Pastoral Centre in Donnerail. Now it'll be followed by flower arranging at half four. Please bring clear glass vase fairy lights and greenery and flowers all COVID restrictions uh, apply all are welcome clean up of Shambhali Moor takes place every Monday evening with young and old taking part well done guys and gals the next meet is tonight 7pm in the community centre 
and Donnerail Men's Shed. They will hold their inaugural meeting this Wednesday, half past seven, in the community centre. They are appealing for people to go along and help make the launch of Donnerail's Men's Shed a success. And the Sacred Heart Parish Centre on the Western Road will open on Thursday to accept donations of plants, bric-a-brac, etc. It's for sale, their sale that is happening this coming Saturday and Sunday. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. And you can stop texting us on our Sky Shop competition. And I can tell you the clip I played is a clip from the programme Big Little Lies. Lots and lots of you got it correctly. And while the ad break was on, we selected our qualifier for today. And our qualifier is John Lane in Newmarket. Congratulations, John Lane in Newmarket. You will go into the draw. You would one of only five names will be in the draw on Friday. And uh, if you win, John, you'll be winning the ultimate home cinema package worth €2,000, including the projector, the projector screen, the home cinema sound system and €100 Euro in Sky Store vouchers so you can check out all of the latest movies on Sky all to celebrate the first ever Sky Shop opening this Wednesday on the ground floor at the Mahan Point Shopping Centre. We will have another clip of a show from the Sky Store tomorrow for you to play and again as I say we will give you two possible answers but congratulations John Lane in Newmarket is our winner today and thank you to the many many people who've been on to tell us it is possible to use your travel pass to go to Belfast a huge number of people have been on to us all giving different information it isn't as simple as just turning up rocking up with your free travel pass and handing it in and uh, getting it Mary and Charleville said she went to Connolly Station she filled in a simple form and she got her train tickets to Belfast that way our Tony in Cove is just back from Belfast he says you need to take your free travel pass to social uh, social is it to to a local social welfare office Tony and they give you a purple and white card with your photo and you can use it on the train and it covers you for buses up north as well and that's what a lot of people are pointing out that you get a free travel on your free travel pass the free travel pass I didn't realise this is for all of Ireland but you just have to apply for a separate one for the north somebody else is saying there's an application form for a senior smart pass and it is available from the Department of Social Protection I was unaware that you you, you can get all over Ireland uh, on it someone else says you get a free travel pass for the north I already have one Patricia I get my ticket with my free travel pass in Mallow to Houston and Dublin then the Lewis is also free with your travel pass to Connolly Station and you have to get your ticket with your travel pass for Belfast return there as well says Mike and Bantry so there seems to be a variety way uh, a um, variety of ways of doing it but Mike and Bantry has pointed out that you're free the whole way because you'll jump on the train in Cork your free travel up to Dublin then you need to get the Lewis because you need to move over to Connolly Station because Connolly Station is where the Belfast train goes from and Mike says jump on the Lewis the Lewis will take you from Houston to Connolly your free travel pass will work there as well and then your ticket and you're on to Belfast That's, that is great that is great I know there's a lot of times we think particularly for old age pensioners who are entitled to their free uh, pass it's probably the one one scheme that works so well because 
everybody when the each I'm right in saying it's the age of 66 isn't it once you get your old age pension everybody gets that free travel pass I know things like the fuel allowance people complain about because that's a, a means tested one but certainly the travel pass and f- many people use it quite a lot others will say I have my free travel pass I've never once used it but we certainly we, we hear from a lot of people who do uh, use it and uh, use it quite a lot to get around this beautiful country where they can on a train or on a bus so thank you as I say to a huge number of people who were on to uh, tell us that. Hi Patricia, would you mention please on your programme that there's a bus going to knock. It's going on the 12th of June and the contact number if you'd like to travel on the bus is 087 2833696 bring your fr- family and friends along for a trip to Knock if you want to go to uh, Knock and there's a number of questions coming in for Annalise uh, thank you for that and uh, we will take a break with Annalise Dressel our nutritional therapist coming up very soon on the programme Bernie's taking calls at 0818 103 103 and you can text or WhatsApp up to 0862-103-103. We're going to the Health Hub Times Square in Balangolic for our weekly nutritional slot with Annalise Dressel. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome. Let me go straight into questions, including this one in from Timmy in McCroom. It says, question for Annalise, please. I'm an old age pensioner, 67. I suffer from very cold legs and feet. Now, I've been to my doctor. I've even seen a specialist at CUH who told me nothing they can do for me as it's just something that older people suffer from. I was wondering if Annalise might know of anything that might help that you could recommend. I've trouble getting to sleep at night with the problem because my legs and feet are so cold. Looking for any advice that Annalise might suggest. An unusual one. Yeah, I think, Patricia, I notice people who are on blood thinners often suffer from that. So I wonder in this case, is one of the medications a blood thinner or aspirin? Because that could be the cause of it. And really, there's not much you can do about that except maybe rub something in that would heat up the legs. So there's a lovely cream that we use here and we recommend, and I use it myself, for muscle pain. And it's called Pernaton 40. And there's a kind of a chilli extract, chilli pepper extract in it that really gets into the... Uh, tissue and heats it up so that might be something if you're on a blood thinner if you're not on a blood thinner and it's not as a side effect of medication it might just be a circulatory issue so we love the horseradish and garlic complex here it's great for people who suffer from cold hands and cold feet particularly in the winter and we often recommend it as well for people who get chillblains because it's so good at helping with circulation so you could try that as well horseradish and garlic complex it's made by a company called Viridian Okay, hi Annalise. Uh, um, just wondering, would you recommend? I've been recommended to use colloidal silver for fungal nails. Would Annalise recommend it, and has she seen any results from it? So it's not a bad one, actually, as a recommendation for fungal nails. So colloidal silver is tiny, min- like nanoparticles of silver suspended in water, and you can use it as an antibacterial, antiviral, and an antifungal. So, um, like a lot, we'd often recommend it now for mouth ulcers, sore throats. We'd recommend people take it maybe on holidays with them. And if they're, you know, brushing their teeth using the tap water to use that, it can be put onto cuts and scratches as well to help them heal quicker without becoming infected. 
It wouldn't be the first thing I choose as an antifungal. I do think the grapefruit seed extract is a stronger antifungal, but persist with it. And just bear in mind with a fungal toe, when you treat it, you're actually treating the fungus. The, the old nail is not going to improve, but it'll be the new nail coming up that you're looking to see is healed. Okay, hi uh, Annalise. I have more joint pain, inflammation and tendon problems of late. Could it be caused by the menopause? And if so, what would you recommend I take? Is that linked to the menopause? Absolutely, absolutely. Very, very common. And it can even be a movable pain, Patricia. So like it might be on your left foot Tuesday and Wednesday and by Thursday it's moved over to your right wrist. So it is very common. In actual fact, I have customers who have recommended take HRT and their joint pain clears up within a month or two on HRT. So I would recommend first and foremostly HRT, the hormone replacement therapy. But if you can't take it for various different reasons, you can take plant-based hormones. And we love the, um, the top of the range one here that we give to people when they're really suffering with menopause symptoms. And that would be joint pain, but also sleeplessness, night sweats, hot flushes, um, forgetfulness, brain fog, anxiety, low mood, uh, what else comes along? Does, you know, the skin the list, the list well. is almost yeah. endless, isn't it, for it menopause? Is, it, yeah. it, it, it really does. It's a big shock to the system. So the Nutri-Advanced Perimeno support is fantastic. So it has got those plant-based hormones in there, um, as well as a lot of other things. The other one I love as well is the BioNutri Lignin Plus. So that is just literally pure plant-based hormone in that. Um, that's a lovely one. I take that myself sometimes and I take the Nutri-Advanced one when I'm really bad. Um, and then there's also NHP do a great one, which is just called Menopause Support. So I would try any of those. Um, if you wanted to take something as an anti-inflammatory, you could take uh, turmeric extract. But I do think that the root of this cause, if it's um, of, if you're of menopausal age, is really balancing the hormones. So taking joint stuff, I don't think is probably going to fix the problem. But so the turmeric being a natural anti-inflammatory will be good protection for the heart and brain as well as for the joints. Actually, somebody's asking about a supplement, uh, a, a turmeric supplement. It's got ginger and is it bromelain in it? But there's no mention of black pepper. Is it any good without the black pepper? Should you have black pepper in it um, as well? Well, there, the black pepper is mostly added because it improves the activity of turmeric by like eightfold or something. It also makes it easier to absorb. So I think if there is other things in there that help you absorb it, um, it should be okay. But you can always just take it with your dinner and put a bit of black pepper on your dinner. Okay, well done. Hi, Annelies. I've recently damaged the tendons in my finger, says Siobhan. Just wondering if there's anything I can do to help with it. And damaging tendons, is that the same as tendinitis? Um, somebody else has a problem with tendinitis. Yeah, I, they're kind of similar related, but not the same. But the advice will be the same. Okay. So tendinitis is kind of inflammation of the tendons. So the tendons have been possibly um, um, inflamed from overuse, whereas damage could be a little tear. So I think for anything tear, if there's a tear in anything, collagen is the way to go. And what I love about collagen is that it's great for the joints and it's great for the skin as well. So um, you'll have beautiful, rosy looking cheeks as well after taking it. So ideally with collagen, the marine collagen is the best and it must be hydrolyzed. Otherwise, we can't utilize it. So try collagen if if there's been a tear in the tendon. But if it's just a pull or if it's just from overuse or repetitive strain, you can take a natural anti-inflammatory like the turmeric extract would be very good. 
Um, we love the one here that we get great feedback on is the Curcudine Forte. It's a great uh, combination of turmeric and boswellia. And then there's a supplement that both people could take, whether it's a tear or a strain, and it's a homeopathic remedy called Rotograv. Now, it's not effective for anybody, but for some people it is just like a miracle um, and can really help speed up the whole healing process. So collagen, Curcudine Forte or turmeric extract of some sort, and then the homeopathic Rotograv. Hi, Annalise. I'm about to start Clear Marine Minimum to see if it will help with my hot flushes and very poor sleep. I'm currently also taking vitamin 200 milligrams and vitamin D, 25 UG, high strength daily. Should I continue with them at the same time as taking the Clear Marine? Yeah, you probably, there isn't enough in there to be doubling up hugely, so I would definitely, especially the vitamin D for bones, because after menopause, we will be at increased risk of osteoporosis. So definitely continue with your DNC. Mary in Kerry wants to know, can people take collagen for osteoarthritis and is it of any use? So collagen is actually is very good for bone. It's good for bone, it's good for joints and it's good for skin. To be honest, collagen is a huge part of lots of our tissue as well, Patricia, internally. So it's kind of good for everything. Um, you still, with osteoarthritis, you still need to make sure that the bone is remaining healthy because there's the joint arthritis where the cartilage is worn away and then osteoarthritis is where the bone has worn away. So make sure you're taking um, a vitamin D supplement as well and have plenty of calcium in your diet. And the foods that would be rich in calcium, of course, all the dairy products that we know about, but very importantly, are green leafy vegetables because they're a lovely blend of calcium and magnesium together, which are great for bones. Um, nuts and seeds are great, particularly almonds are very good for, um, for calcium, sesame seed and tahini, and then all of our lentils and chickpeas. So you can see there's lots of sources of calcium, even if you can't take dairy. And make sure to get that in the diet and then just take a vitamin D2 and, uh, sorry, vitamin D2 3, vitamin D3 and a vitamin K2 supplement. K2 helps you get the calcium onto your bones and prevent it from hardening in the arteries. Okay, Liz says, I picked up a bug. Now, she says, after COVID, my stomach and bowel is still not right. I'm taking Nexium and I'm taking Slippery Elm as well. How long would I be able to take these products for? So you can take them. I said, well, the Nexium is supposedly short-term use only, but I do know people who are on that for years. So that's a proton pump inhibitor. It blocks acid in the stomach. Um from being produced so it helps with reflux and then slippery elm of course is a lovely healing one I kind of nearly always say rule of thumb you need to work for six to eight weeks on healing the gut and then you could maybe start cutting down and take everything only maybe every second or third day with the idea of weaning yourself off it Okay, and somebody else post-COVID, and this is something I can identify with because it happened to me when I got COVID. Uh, Somebody says, hi, I'm two weeks post-COVID and I have absolutely no appetite. My appetite went with COVID. Will it come back? Now, that happened to me. My appetite went completely when I had COVID. And I can hand on heart say I was a good month before I actually said, oh, actually, one day I woke up and said, God, I feel hungry today. But it took a month. Really, yeah. So it's, it's, it's the weirdest, weirdest virus. Very strange. Very strange virus. Like, I just think we just, we don't know the half of it yet. But I think it might be something to do with zinc, Patricia, because zinc is really important for appetite and for immune system function and for taste and for smell. And a lot of people lose their sense of smell and taste after COVID as well. So I think it could be it could be maybe something. And again, this is just me speculating. Yeah. Could be something to do with zinc because our immune systems would really have pulled on our zinc resources 
um, during COVID for the immune system function. So I think, like there is, people often talk to, about a, a tonic called Phosphor, F-O-S-F-O-R, that you buy in the pharmacies, actually. I haven't got it in the health shop. And that can be very good for appetite. I definitely would take a zinc supplement, about 15 milligrams a day. And that should hopefully kick in as well. Um, and maybe maybe an iron supplement, often a reduction of iron can reduce appetite too. So if you can get the phosphor in um, the, the pharmacy, try something like a Floridix uh, type of tonic, which would be a combination of iron and B vitamins and take a zinc separately for that. Yeah, and I know when I, when I was saying it to you know people and family members have lost my appetite, people said, oh, is it great you lose weight and all that. It's actually horrible because you end up not fancying anything. I needed to set a clock to make sure that I ate. I could have literally gone all day without eating and then when you do sit down to eat you've no appetite for anything yeah. so yeah it's rotten it yeah, really it is, is horrible it's not good to lose too much no, weight after no. a virus because you need to be nourishing your well, body well that's what I was conscious of as well saying I need to be building myself back up after the virus and this yeah. was the last thing I needed ok question for Annalise please is there anything one can take to increase phosphorus levels please I'm currently on two phosphorus tablets daily but my last blood test just back says it's still low my calcium levels are high I've got a problem with a parathyroid thyroid so I'm not taking much dairy etc which would increase calcium and that's affecting my phosphorus levels now I'm waiting for a referral to an endocrinologist any suggestions in the meantime to try to build up the phosphorus levels would be great that's a very interesting one now Patricia um and I'm not sure really is it definitely phosphorus or wonder would it be potassium which would be a common one um to be low in um, so if it's phosphorus, let me just see now. Phosphorus. Because she says currently on two phosphorus tablets daily. Yeah. But obviously she said the last blood test was still low. OK, that's an interesting one now. And I, I can't say I know a whole pile about that. Normally it's potassium that could be low yeah. in blood check. So phosphorus you would find in a lot of animal products. And again, that's probably why she can't take a lot of the animal normally would have it in there because of the calcium issue. Um so I think she probably just the best way, Patricia, would be to up her supplement, get another tab, mm. phosphorus tablet, because by eating an awful lot of animal foods, you're going to be taking in. So it would be coming from eggs now would be a great one, for example, for phosphorus, um, particularly the yolk, um, meat and cheese, fish, chicken, all of the flesh of animals would be very good for phosphorus. Um, it wouldn't be the highest in a lot of um, in a lot of uh, vegetables. But having said that now, I'm. I'm not entirely sure uh, about phosphorus. Really, I've never heard anybody with low phosphorus before, so it's an interesting one. So the easiest way, if you can't up your fish and your chicken and your meat and your eggs and things like that, take an extra tablet from, yeah. the, from the prescription. And that hopefully then will bring it up on the next blood test. Patricia yeah. Ring is suffering from vertigo and she's been told to go to a physiotherapist for her back. Uh, is there anything else she should be taking for vertigo? Yeah, so there's... There's vertigo again, and a lot of people with vertigo after COVID. Vertigo can either be caused by a viral infection that affects the canals of the inner ear that are responsible for balance. So you'll feel nausea, sick, it's like being seasick. It's horrible. Some people have developed a tinnitus after COVID. So again, there is definitely, it is affecting the inner ear. So taking a natural anti-inflammatory that would support the inner ear is very good. I would drink rosemary tea. Uh, which is great. Rosemarinic acid is wonderful. Um, you And then take an anti-inflammatory, maybe like, a, there's actually there's one here that I would recommend and it's called, um, it's called P, what is it called now? P Max, I think it's called. And it's a combination of very high, powerful natural anti-inflammatories. P4 Max, that's it. 
So try that. You'll get it in a health store. Um, and then the last thing I would suggest is um, a, a bacteria called Lactobacillus salivarius. And that puts the good bacteria back into our throat, into our ears and into our nasal passages. So it's great for anybody who's suffering from sinus or tinnitus or vertigo post-COVID. And you'll get that in a probiotic in the health shop. So think of saliva. It's lactobacillus salivarius. The other thing then, Patricia, is that vertigo can also be postural. So it can be affected. Um, and a lot of people get kind of uh, very dizzy spells from it as well and sometimes headaches. I know there's a very good physiotherapist down in um, in Middleton who specialises in this area. Her name is Sheila. I can't remember her surname, but she's, if you Google her, she'll come up. And it's for postural vertigo. Um and tinnitus, and it's it's good. You need to stick with it. But effectively, what's happening is that the nerve nerves are not really, I suppose, relaying the right things to the brain. So you're you're feeling dizzy. So that's why she's been probably recommended physiotherapy for the back. And it's a, it can be a horrible condition. Oh, it's like some people feel just constantly nauseous and dizzy. It's really really awful. Dreadful. Tinnitus as well as terrible too. Okay, a uh, quick question, Franelise, please. What would you recommend for somebody suffering from anxiety, some noreen? So there's a few different things that you can take for anxiety. There's, the first is something that will improve your ability to cope so your threshold is kind of increased before you get triggered for anxiety. And those herbs are called ashwagandha and rhodiola. They're fantastic herbs for just improving your ability to cope with stress and to feel less anxious. Now they take time to kick in. So in the short term, you could try something like L-theanine, which is really immediately calming and we're selling an awful lot of that at the moment and the feedback is always really good on it. Safe for children as well, Patricia, and great for kids who can't wind down before going to bed. So that's called L-theanine, T-H-E-A-N-I-N-E. And the other thing that works immediately is cannabis oil. You just um, get get one that's about 10 milligrams per dose and just do a, pu- a little dropper or a pump of it underneath your tongue. And again, that works very, very quickly to reduce anxiety. So you could use those in the interim until the other stuff kicks in and improves your overall um, tolerance. Okay, and as always, all the items that we've mentioned today, you'll put it up on your website. I will. As heard on the radio. Okay, listen, have a good week, Annelise. Thank you you for that. That is Annelise Drussell and Annelise's website is healthhubstore.com. And if you go on to that this afternoon, as heard on the radio, she has all of the items that we have mentioned because it can be hard sometimes to take in all of the information. And Annelise will be back with us. Help. Uh, from the Health Hub Times Square in Ballangolic. She will be back with us next uh, Monday. Before I go, a reminder to you, you're still listening out for two Elton John songs. We're celebrating the fact that Elton John is having his farewell Yellow Brick Road uh, tour and we are hoping to send one listener and his or her friend to see Elton John twice, once in Liverpool and once in Porky Creeve in uh, Cork. Could Nick Richards this afternoon play two Elton John songs? You never know. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 10. Thanks to Bernie Murphy for uh, producing. Until tomorrow at 10, I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Confidence starts with loving who you are. 
And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.